the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson and joining me still, <laughs> the longest running pregnancy in show business, still dad to be Trevor Trahan. Hi, I've got my phone on me today, so hopefully it's a full show, but I won't have to dive out. I mean, Fernando Torres is going to score before your missus drops. All <laughs> uh, right, let's have a talk about the various Champions Leagues. Uh, Asian Champions League first, Trev, Sydney. Well, you've got here on your thing, I bet they wish it was uh, 3-0 to Sydney, but it was actually 3-0 yeah. uh, to Kashima Antlers. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, routine win, really, for the Japanese, and it? it was better in all departments, you'd say. Yeah, how many times have we seen Australian sides genuinely get a footballing lesson, you know, in Asia, and it felt a little bit like that last night. They control load, large parts of the game, and, you know, 3-0 away from home's pretty comprehensive isn't it? I sort of got that feeling you know like have you ever see a little kid trying to have a smack at his big brother yeah and the big brother just literally puts their hands because they've got such a longer arm reach like yeah. on their forehead and the little kid's sort of swinging and he never <laughs> he can never quite connect yeah I was watching it just felt like that like yeah Sydney were having their moments and, but you never got the impression that they were really going to hurt Kashima and Kashima could always just sort of swat them away when they wanted and I guess, you know, Trevor, is this the yardstick for club football in Australia? I mean, obviously, you know, we can always put against, in the defence of the Australian teams, the budgets that the Japanese, J, the top teams yeah. in the J-League work to, um, which obviously, you know, it means that there's better quality of Brazilian players there and internationals and local players because obviously they've got, um, you know, much bigger, you know, wages to offer their international players to stay in Japan. Um, but still, this... This has got to be the benchmark for club football in Australia, hasn't it? You know, yeah. is, is our performance each year in the Asian Champions League against the Japanese teams? Yeah, I mean, uh, when I was watching, I was thinking, how did Adelaide reach the final? And deservedly so. Like, it, you really have to go back and you, you realise even more what a massive effort that was from Adelaide. Um, and every year, like, I was quite excited, quite excited at the end of sort of last season when you knew it was going to be Sydney and Melbourne going in because you really felt that they were, you know, two of the strongest sides I've ever had. And, you know, they've fallen flat. Form, obviously, it's gone completely haywire at the, at the same time. But if Brisbane, surely Brisbane, when it comes around next year, if they can maintain what they did in the league. Well, they certainly play the right sort of football. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I remember seeing what, just before half time, I think it was. I can't remember who it was, but they played a ball up to Bruno. Mm. And there was fully 45 yards between him and the closest midfielder to him. Yeah. And it's just the. the, the there is no point to playing that ball, yeah. you know, because you're just giving it to them straight back, you know. Whereas, you know, I do obviously Brisbane with the way that they play, they'll keep possession, they'll be comfortable in possession, um, and I think that will stand them in good stead because the one thing that that you know they will let you play, you know, they're not, uh, you know, they're, they're not bullying teams. They don't come and try and kick you off the park, um, but they test your technique and they te- te- test your ball retention. Yeah. And unfortunately, um, you know, we we seem to struggle in that regard. So, um, mm. I mean, it's made Sydney's task very difficult now, isn't it, to qualify? Almost impossible. You say they've played all their three home games now, uh, and have only picked up two points. So you'd say that that you know they're not going to get beyond the group stages. And I guess again, you talk about Adelaide. What Adelaide did do well was was get results at home, yeah, which is the critical thing. Yeah. 
so back on next week uh, as our victory, uh, Sydney travel to Shanghai, Shenhua, mm -hmm. and uh, Melbourne are at home. Right. Yep. So, so uh, that sounds like that could be right. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk Champions League. Uh, Tuesday, well, Wednesday morning here, saw Man United victorious in the uh, All-Premier League clash. Um, and Barcelona progressed, not unsurprisingly, uh, with a 1-0 win in Shakhtar Donetsk um, to win 6-1 on aggregate. Strong Barcelona team. Surprisingly strong. Yeah, um, had all the stars out there, didn't they? Yeah, really, not surprising, it? I suppose. Um, Messi got his 48th goal of the season. Stupid. Which matches his effort last year and uh, equals the record for goals from a Spanish, yeah, someone playing in Spain in a Spanish season. I think he's five short of another record, isn't he? Uh, I, was this, I, was, I was hearing, I think it was this morning, that if he... Um, I mean, obviously, if they get to the Champions League final, he's still got another 12 games to play this year. Yeah. So, you know, he'll definitely That's... get to 50, <laughs> yeah. which is phenomenal for someone that doesn't play as an out-and-out -out striker. In the modern game as well, where the emphasis is, is so much more on defence and playing one up front, yeah. you, you'd think that seasons of players being able to score 50 goals was probably over. And he's still 23. <laughs> so the stat that I heard was that if the next six years of his career are as successful if, if he matches yeah. the next six years with what he's done in the previous six years mm. he will have broken the all-time Spanish goal scoring record before he's 29 yeah so and the, beaten uh, people like Di Stefano and yeah and know, also Ronaldo and like that he sits top of the assist chart most of the time as well and I think yeah. that's right this season I mean he's not an out he's not an out and out goal poacher he's setting up a handful of goals as well. Could he do it on a wet Wednesday night in Stoke, Trevor? That's the big <laughs> <Who> question. <laughs> All right, let's talk Man United. Uh, it was 2-1 on the night. To be fair, it was more of a golf than that. I thought Man United were, were pretty comfortable. And as they showed, what, when Chelsea got a goal to sort of get back in it, Man United just went straight down the other end and scored. Uh, Chelsea only had 10 men at that point. Trev, let's talk about it in a bit more detail. Obviously, the thing that everybody was talking about or joking about on Twitter was Fernando Torres' continued goal drought. Um, yep. He played, surprisingly for a lot of people, given that you know, Drogba has, has certainly appeared to be the, their biggest threat up front, um, which again raises the questions, who's picking the side? Yep, exactly. He lasted till half-time. Drogba came on, scored a goal, yeah. <laughs> got them back in it. I don't know how you could ever not play Drogba. You know, let alone for someone, doesn't matter how much you pay for them, in as bad a form as Torres, I would always have Drogba. I thought the idea was they were going to find a way of getting Drogba and Torres to work together and give them as many games as possible. But, you know, it's not been working like that at all. So a really strange decision. I don't know if there's a bit of psychology from Ancelotti there where he's sort of showing a you know, massive slice of faith in Torres, hoping that, you know, that's his problem and that's what he needed. But... It was such an important game because it ended their season. Yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing. I mean, I, I think they'll they'll cling on. Will to it the end Ancelotti's career at Chelsea? Um, I think it, I think it's very probable. De depending on who's available in the summer, coach-wise, um, yeah, there's a very good chance. But you know, I mean, I think looking at Chelsea, I think one of the problems, yeah, you know, is that whoever, unless Roman Abramovich is going to go out and spend four hundred million pounds. Mm somebody's got to do the regeneration of that squad yeah. because Drogba's 30 plus Lampard's Lampard. 30 plus Terry's 30 plus Essien's 
not exactly young anymore. He's probably 29, 30 and has struggled with injuries. You know, Ashley Cole's 29, 30. You know, in the next two or three years, they've got to completely rebuild that squad. Yeah. And people like Louise coming in, you know, yes, that's good. good. You know, Torres, if he stays, I mean, he's 27, 26, 27. They've got people that are doing well out on loan, you know, like Sir Daniel Sturridge. Sturridge, Um, They've got Josh McEachran, who's been playing. You know, but somebody at some point, unless they're going to go buy a completely new team, has got to bring in the youngsters and start to rebuild. And they've got to look at building some, buying some 18, 19, 20-year-olds and getting 10 years out of them. I mean, wasn't that the plan when Abramovich joined? He said, "Oh, I've done this spending spree, but I'm but I just loads uh, well. In. I think they. I think he's gone through that period, mm. and as now he's now not happy with them not competing in the Champions League, and goes and drops seventy five million on Torres and Luis. Yeah, you know. So I mean, I just think he's only ever gonna and and sacking the coach if they don't win the Champions League, you're never gonna give the coach that time to rebuild because you are not gonna win the Champions League in a rebuilding phase. No. Nah. So it's a it's a big conundrum for them there, you know, and and I guess yeah, what would happen if Ramovich got bored of it? Yeah, yeah, and and on Man U, if you told me at the beginning of the season that they're you know currently cantering to the Premier League and the semi final of the FA Cup and the semi final of the Champions League, I didn't think it was possible with that team. But Hernandez has been a lot better than we thought. Pachi Sungu were building up last week, got the decisive goal. They've yeah. they've just outstripped how what you know I thought they'd do. And also Rooney. Yeah, I mean, teams. Rooney is come, appears to be coming back into form and was was fantastic in both legs. I yeah. thought, you know, having you know copped his stick for his uh, performance at West Ham, you know, he's then given what have probably been two of his more disciplined, aggressive performances. And on Wednesday morning, he was everywhere. He was dropping into midfield. He was spraying balls left, yeah. right, and centre. Um, but also Ryan Giggs set up all three goals. The free can he? Yeah, you know, and and they weren't just simple ones, you know. The, the, again, but it was just the intelligence of, of his run out wide again, yeah. where the way he took the ball down, laid it back, realised he was offside, arced his run back onside, and then curled it, and then and then timed his run forward again at just the right moment to leave him through on goal. Yeah, I watched Fergie's press conference after, and he said, you know, I don't know what more to say about gigs. He goes, yeah. how, how often do we have these discussions after matches about? Yeah, and he played centre midfield. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Quite comfortably, and he just, you know, genuinely appears to all his players that this gets better and better with age, you know. And, and as as his pace has gone, his natural pace, he's adapted his game yeah. superbly, which is the challenge that a lot of these players, you know, and Michael Owen struggling with this is what happens when that extra yard of pace starts to disappear in your thirties, and he's yeah. he's accommodated it fantastically. All right, um, Tottenham Real Madrid. Uh, I don't think anyone really thought the Tottenham were going to get back in it. The best they could have hoped for was was to win this leg and mm. get some pride back. They didn't manage it. Uh, another Gomez howler um, from Ronaldo. Would you <laughs> yeah. have saved it, Trev? Uh, yeah, I think I would have. Yeah. Would yeah. I have saved it? Yes, I'd yeah. Have caught it. I'd, <laughs> yeah, I just would have tried to palm it away. Tottenham, it's kind of funny. I mean, Tottenham haven't been able to beat the bottom four of the Premier League. Um, this season so they were fairly I think that's correct isn't it they've yeah. been in the bottom four yeah so, something like that they've, they've not got a great record against the, the teams down the bottom anyway so the chances of them being a Mourinho Real Madrid team by a four goal margin um, was yeah virtually impossible and the final was uh, Schalke uh, completed the job against Inter Milan with a 2-1 win at home winning a 7-3 
aggregate victory and Raul on the score sheet again. Evergreen Raul, talking Se- about players. 72nd goal in European competition? I he was 72. He might be, I don't know. Uh, so look, so the semi-finals look like this. Manchester United will play Schalke and Barcelona will play Real Madrid. Mm. I'm not um, sure about Schalke. I think Schalke sort of cashed in quite well on how awful the Madrid, uh, sorry, how awful the Milan defence is. So I think they, they might have a far, far tougher challenge against Absolutely. Man Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I think critical in both legs of Man United, Chelsea was the return of Rio Ferdinand. I just yeah. think he gives that whole defence that stability. He still doesn't look anywhere near fit though. I mean, he spent most of the first half against Chelsea hobbling around. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think he'll be critical and I think you're right. I think... Um, you know, Schalke will come up against a much more disciplined defensive unit in Man United. Uh, all right, well, that's it for part one. We'll be back in part two to have a look at some of the uh, news that's been making headlines on our website, au.442.com. The new issue of 442 is on sale now, and it's an EPL Legend Special Edition. We speak to Bergkamp, Klinsman, Shearer and Giggs, plus a rare and fascinating interview with Aussie legend Mark Viduka. We count down the top 10 Aussies to have graced the EPL and hand out awards for the A-League season. 10 years on, relive Australia's world record 31-0 victory against American Samoa and look back at the stellar career of one of the game's greatest ever strikers, Ronaldo. In the iPad edition, there's 30 minutes of video plus additional photo galleries on Viduka, Klinsman, Shearer and Giggs. On sale now at all good news agents or on the iPad via the App Store. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. Uh, it's part two time and we are going to look at the news that's been making headlines on our website, au.442.com. Uh, Trev, the, the victory clear out continues uh, with Cole, Gary Cole, Polax. Polaxed by Colax was the headline <laughs> from Trev. Uh, from Kev, sorry, uh, as usual, uh, as usual standards there. Um, so this means that, you know, they've pretty much cleared out the whole of the backroom staff and the coaching staff. So Ernie Merrick's gone, Aaron Healy's gone, and now uh, Gary Cole's gone. Hmm. The, the impression I was kind of getting from Victory fans are that they're kind of grateful for what these guys have done, but equally grateful for change. You know, I think there was a real feeling that things are stagnated a, a little bit there. Yeah. And there's every reason to be positive about you know the guys coming in, and, and that's no insult on what they've done. I mean, Gary Cole, you know, he had a reputation for excellent recruitment. I mean, particularly in the first season. You know, when you think that they, they got Archie. Well, and, yeah, when uh, you look back, Musker, you know, they, you know he, he was responsible for getting Musker and, and Archie back. Two of the both biggest of whom signings are still with the club and have, have been, you know, key players in them winning what they've won. Yeah. Then you look at their recruitment of players like Fred and Hernandez, and you know, yeah. you, you know, they've probably, you know, they've probably led the way in terms of uh, recruitment. They've had a few clangers along the way, a few, few dodgy South Americans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, who's, who's, yeah, there was Alessandro, who it wasn't bad. Claudinho was rubbish, and Leandro Love, who was just a bit merging together these names. Yeah. So what it does mean is that there's going to be a whole new. Uh, Look, Melbourne victory from a recruiting p- perspective, but also from a, from a coaching perspective. Yeah, well, they've had Newton. sixty applications for the job. No, one of those yours. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I applied. I mean, it's even on the pitch. I mean, with Muscat stepping down as well, that will so much goes through him. Um, that there's going to be a massive impact on you know how they play, um, who they've got playing for them, and the co- the man that's directing them. So, all change at Melbourne, isn't it? 
Yeah, maybe that's what it needs. Yeah, you know, maybe I think it needs so. a bit of a you know fresh broom through there to to get yeah you because know, certainly their crowds were not what we've expected from Melbourne Victory over the last twelve months, and maybe you know that that sort of staleness that I think Archie Thompson's referred to amongst the playing group sort of spread to the fans. You know, there's a yeah. bit of apathy there. So maybe a new coach, new look lineup. Um, might reinvigorate them for the for the new season. Mind you, re- reading some of the comments that um, Roy Keane, that uh, one of Manchester United's greatest ever players, wasn't good enough because he had a bit of a dodgy patch at Ipswich, was <laughs> one of the maddest things I've seen on Twitter. I think. I mean, it'd be such. I mean, it's not going to happen, but I was, let's see who they end up with here. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. And you'd think that they need to move pretty quickly because. Um, it's only what what we got now five months to the new <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I mean guys they're not going to have, have time to that massive pre I mean the Queensland are reporting back from uh, pre-season on May the 2nd yeah I mean Jesus God you must I mean you'd have to think of ways to keep the players interested imagine how jaded you become at like least you know that Angie's and the sort of coach to have them doing shuttle runs up uh, no. on the beach or anything at least they'll be doing sort of football work but I can just remember my old pre-season used to be two weeks of doing nothing with a football. Yeah. Just running until you were yeah. sick. <laughs> Thomas Browitz, talking to Queensland Raw. Uh, Thomas Browitz gave a little uh, interview, the intriguing Mr. Browitz with Aidan Ormond, who was talking about um, he's, uh, he's currently in the middle of a degree in global politics. Yeah, no, no surprise. So maybe that's why he uh, you know, navigates the sort of midfield oh, so well. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, th- we've got a bit... With him on the upcoming issue of the mag, he's um, there's just been the German Fuzzball Film Festival in Berlin, um, and he he was one of the stars of it. And it's sort of nine years in the making when he was a when he was a youngster, and he was a real you know I didn't perhaps realise this, but he was a real future star of German football. He came through at the, about the same time as Philipp Lahm and uh, Schweinsteiger, right? Okay. And and those three were sort of being tipped for the next big thing. So the filmmaker approached him and said, um, you know, I'd like to sort of follow your career, thinking that he was going to go on to be this big star. You know, he played in the Bundesliga and he's just won the A-League, but they were thinking he was going to be sort of a national regular. So that premiered in Berlin and we got, you know, we were there and had a little chat with him about that. So that's up. Next issue anyway. Brilliant. Uh, you know, he said that his desire to sort of, you know, forge a career for himself or work on his, his next career after whilst he was still playing football, we saw that around a third of players in the Bundesliga go broke after their career, so he was keen to um, to continue his studies and he's uh, doing it through Open University of Australia and it's an initiative that's been backed by the PFA, um, the Australian PFA and Brendan Schwab there, so not surprisingly, Brendan leading the way there, which is fantastic. So yeah. it's a very interesting story that I, came I, out. I think that's a really important thing for A-League players to do. You know, we're aware of the sort of money they earn. And yeah, when things know, they're, wind not, they're up, not earning the money where they won't never have to work again, no. you know. No, they're, they're going to have to, you know, if they can't get a coaching job. And there's not that many media roles for them all to pile into either. No, they don't come up very often. <laughs> goalkeepers, Australian goalkeepers all around the world breathed a very heavy sigh as Mark Schwarzer came out and insisted that he can play for Australia at the 2014 World Cup despite the fact that he'll be in his 40s by then he's 38 at the moment still in his career best form yeah Do we, is, I mean is he, is, can I'm he undec- go on I'm un- well he probably can yeah. I'm, un- I'm undecided on this because he is a great keeper and he is still playing well and he does probably deserve his place but I'm I'm kind of a little bit excited about who's going to emerge next because I think there's a 
there's a good set of players that could over the next year. I'm not so much sure now, but I would hope before Brazil. And do we see him being challenged before then? I mean, do we see a Langerak do we see a Langerak breaking through in the Bundesliga or maybe even moving to the Premier League? Or Brad Jones, you know, if he could. Brad Jones getting a shot in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, I think that's more what it's going to be, and, and perhaps that's what Schwartz is thinking that I'm going to carry on going until someone throws me out. I'm, I'm not just going to stop because I've reached 38. If he's feeling fit enough, it doesn't matter if he's 38. So 41. Just... He could have had a son at 20. He's a 20 year old keeper and been number two in the squad. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, so he's pointing to the likes of Brad Friedel, who's and Edwin Van der Sar, who's still going and just over 40. Um, so you know he's certainly got a uh, got a point. Um, I would say his son Julian plays for uh, academy under 11s. Um, so there is a son coming through. It doesn't say whether he's a keeper though. Right. Interesting. I think so. um, on the EPL and Australians move into the EPL. Brett Holman um, has sort of said that you know, it doesn't hold the lure that it that it used to have, and it's lost a little bit of its luster as far as uh, dreaming of a move there. Um, and he's content with life in the uh, Eredivisie. Is that by choice, do you think? I think that's probably the best league for him. I know he, he, he had a good World Cup and stuff, um, but I mean, I suppose Carney's at, at Blackpool, and that's the sort of club he'd get a, a gig at. Um, yeah. It, it, do you genuinely see it, it, if a mid-table Premier League t- came in and, and offered him a place that he wouldn't jump at it? Of course. <laughs> yeah, right. well, of he's just, course. He's just become a father, the birth of a five-week-old daughter, Emma. Um, and his contract with AZ expires at the end of next season. So, he's, so I guess by January he's free to uh, to mm. open negotiations and move on a free, which could make uh, you know him a lot more appealing to, to clubs without a transfer fee involved. So who knows? Maybe he will have to make that choice at some point. But what he does say is that his uh, his his missus, his words, uh, is Dutch. So if they stay, it's not a problem. So you know, people's lives change. You know, Jason Kalina was more than happy in Holland for for a fair chunk of his career, and if he's if, if he's married a, a Dutch woman, they've just had a baby, they're content there. Yep. Fair play to him. It's good to see a 27 year old um, have a baby girl because there's a 27 year old over here that's <laughs> not able to <laughs> to get that one over the line yet. Tell you what, we're going to do a main story tile on the website <laughs> when it finally comes. We want a photo. Yeah. Finally, we'll be the headline. <laughs> Karen Bullet um, is set to resume his career with Czech club uh, Miada Boleslav. Um, he has successfully appealed to have his passport returned uh, in court this week. So he obviously uh, shot to prominence in the uh, under-19 championship, but um, got into a little bit of trouble off the pitch. We won't go into that. Um, it's still a matter for the courts to decide. We're not going to speculate on that. Um, but he's managed to get his passport back on appeal, so he's now free to go and rejoin his club, Trev. Huge talent. You know, but based on the sort of, you know, what we saw in the uh, under-20 World Cup, um, you know, he was he was excellent. You know, sorry, it wasn't under-20 World Cup. Was it the Asian... A- AFC a- under-19s. Uh, yeah. they, they, you know, he will he be eligible above. for the under-20 World Cup that's coming up. Right, OK. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and he's exactly what we need as well. You know, someone who's, who can score... Um, you know, personality-wise, I don't think he's going to suffer with confidence either. He seems, you know, one of those sort of bullish, confident strikers. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I hope he can go back and settle down. Yeah, and as John Boltby said in the, in the story, you know, maybe you know, going back to Czechoslovakia and just being back with football is yeah. probably exactly what he needs. You know, to, to get away from 
the situation here and, and just get on with playing football and being a footballer. Yeah. Um, so look, we wish him all the best as he looks to resume his career. Um, and obviously we'll let the courts decide uh, the other charges that have been laid. The Mariners have rejected Borussia Dortmund's first move for a young gun, Mustafa Amini. Uh, they've said that it was disappointing um, and Peter Turnbull said that it wasn't a difficult decision to make. Um, he didn't want to give figures, but he's saying that, you know, uh, he's one of our better players. He's one of the country's better young players. Um, we're not going to let him go on the cheap. Yep. I'm happy with that. Yep, that's fair enough. It, it's a little bit of a grey area discussion-wise in terms of, you know, what the A-League should be. But so many A-League clubs are struggling and desperately need money. And yeah, it can be a development league, but when they sell them on, they need to get a fair price. And the terminology he's used there sounds that the offer was kind of nowhere near and Dortmund had to come in three times before they got Langer yeah. out and they might do the same again. No, I agree. You know, totally. You know, if you look at the Dutch league and we've talked about the Dutch league as being a, you know, a, a league that the A-League could aspire to and the fact that, you know, famous clubs like Ajax are, are always been known as selling clubs. They find young talent, develop yeah. them and sell them. But and the play them very young. Is, the critical thing is they get a good price, you know, that then funds the next generation of, of development coming through. So fully behind uh, Peter Turnbull's stance there. And uh, and yet, no argument with Amini looking to further his career. It would be a great move for him, but the Mariners need to be um, need to be uh, recompensed uh, fairly for that. So. Yep. Um, quick Aussies abroad weekend wrap. Schwartz, he had a day to forget at Old Trafford. Um, hurtled out of his box to be rounded by Nani for the second goal. Yep. Um, Tommy Orr came off the bench, 64 minutes. Uh, Michael Zullo started at right back. Yeah, he's been out for six months, isn't he? Yeah. Hideous injury problems. Wasn't his best best time to make his debut, though, because Utrecht were beaten 4-0. Um, Adam Sarotta is an unused substitute in Utrecht's Europa League playoff. Uh, Brett Emerton came on as a sub. For Blackburn, Dave Carney, his shoulder injury has flared up again. Torchy shoulder. Um, so that this late in the season looks like that might be it for him this year. Yeah. Uh, Millie Yedinak was on the score sheet with a late strike in Genkler Beligi's four-one <laughs> win. At one point, I'm going to be able to say that yeah. in one go against James Troisi's Kaiserispor. There we go. Um, Lucas Neal's still playing. Picked up a booking. Harry Kiel was an unused sub. Hmm. Um, but Galatasaray not having a good time of it. 1-0 home loss to Trabs on Spore. Uh, Mark Bresciano started his second game in a row, playing 47 minutes uh, for Lazio as they moved into Champions League place with a 2-0 win over Parma. Hmm. So plenty of Aussies. Uh, as usual, our, um, our overseas Aussies update runs to about four pages yeah. of a printout. So if you want to know what any Australian professional player is doing Chris O'Connor make sure you click on that there's a few names that Chris O'Connor returned and kept a clean sheet yeah I knew that I always knew he was a <laughs> knew he was a big prospect to talking agree. about keepers yeah <laughs> um, any other ones that you pick out it goes as far as Alex Sisak played a full game for Accrington Stanley as they drew two all with Macclesfield Town there you go. Yeah, so it's if you all want there. Every, every Monday or Tuesday that goes up, Aussies Abroad on the website, click on that to get the lowdown on it. Every Aussie playing anywhere you could hope. Uh, that's it for part two. We'll be back in part three to have a look at the big European leagues as they near their climax at the top and the bottom. Uh, so join us after the break and we'll be looking at the EPL, La Liga and Serie A. 
visit Football Emporium on www.footballemporium.biz to see the largest selection of football merchandise and memorabilia in Australia. A real football shopping experience. Or why not pop in and visit them directly at 139 Victoria Road, Dremoyne. Or simply call them on 1300 Goals to find out what's new in the football world. Back to 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. We're going to turn to Europe now and kick off with the Premier League review from the weekend. Trev, mm-hmm. dark day for the Hammers. 3-0 against Bolton. Sturridge with two goals. Lee with the, with the second. Sturridge got the first and the third. Yes. Never really in it, were you? No, we've never really been in any game we've ever played against Bolton in the history of the club. But um, I still got up on midnight and watched it, didn't I? Even though I, was, even though I knew exactly what was going to happen, yeah, it was it was really really woeful. We had a bit of a you know tough run of games. Went away to Tottenham and had Man U then Bolton. Um, we've got you guys, which we'll we'll chat about in section four next week. We but uh, yeah, but following that, we, we've got away to Chelsea and then away to Man City. So it, it looks like we're we're just about done, but yeah, really? Bolton, Bolton didn't help. Yeah. Well, at the top, uh, Man United, we just mentioned in the previous uh, section, took care of Fulham 2-0. Chelsea made hard work of beating Wigan, but got there in the end with a, from a Luda goal on 67 minutes. And uh, Arsenal, potential banana skin, given Arsenal's past form, but they, yeah. uh, they went to Blackpool and, and won comfortably in the end. Uh, Jens Lehmann. Yeah, playing forty-one mad yens, uh, following an injury to uh, to Almunia in the in the warm-up. Now, the interesting here was for the for the goal for the Taylor Fletcher goal in the lead-up. Layman actually brought down one of the Blackpool players. Yeah, I mean, it might be DJ Campbell, like, and and had it not re- gone to Taylor Fletcher, he put it in. Like, yeah. he he would have been off. Yeah, no doubt about Which it. Which would have been a, a pretty, and they would have had no keeper on the bench. <laughs> yeah. Who yeah. would who would have gone in? Do you reckon? Bear in mind, I don't think there's anyone in the Arsenal lineup above six foot. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Bentner, he's injured. Yeah, there's there's not an obvious candidate, is it? Well, it's strange... throwing the gloves at like Sammy Nasri or something, <laughs> like a twelve year old in the goal. <laughs> anyway, but they managed to. Uh, he didn't get sent off because obviously uh, he didn't deny an obvious goal scoring opportunity because they scored. So uh, that that was then removed. Uh, Liverpool. Thumped Man City. Uh, Andy Carroll's first goals got two of them. Uh, Belt of the first one, absolute wasn't he? cracking left really foot strike, and then a then a header. Dirk Kite chimed in with a goal. Yeah, which again we'll talk about. We'll just talk to the league in a second, but that opens things up again. Uh, Villa, my boys, uh, got a much needed um, win home to Newcastle, one nil. But again, if you wanted to see Villa's season wrapped up in ninety minutes. You know, there it was. So just not putting teams away, not taking advantage of the opportunities, going into the last 15 minutes, holding on to a slender lead, having a wobble, very nearly conceding. And yet again, we could have done it again, which was conceded points in the last 15 minutes to late goals. You know, Newcastle had a couple of chances in the the final minutes. Um, But we'll take it. Three points, we'll move on. Let's look at the league. Um... Man United, seven points clear of Arsenal, uh, although Arsenal have a game in hand. Um, Man City now are in fourth, uh, having played 32, but have 56 points, which means that if Tottenham can win their game in hand, uh, they'll go level with Man City. Now, obviously, um, Spurs' job has been 
you know, made a, their focus has been made a lot clearer by going out of the Champions League because they now they need to finish fourth again to get back into the Champions League. Yeah, and that will either be at the expense of Man City or Chelsea, you'd think. Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose your Man City have got a far better goal difference. So even if they do draw level, City have almost got the extra half yeah, point, haven't they? Tottenham have got still got to go to Man City. Yeah, but oh, well, that's better for Man City, though, isn't it? I mean, they're, they're going to host. Well, no, what I'm saying is it's in Spurs' hands. Yeah. If they, yeah, win, yeah. if they win their game in hand and they beat Man City, goal difference won't come into it. No, no. You know. And I didn't think they would last season, and that's exactly where they secured yeah. you know, Champions League football. So. Um, down the bottom, uh, the three Ws, as they're becoming known. Mm. Uh, Wigan, bottom on 31 points. West Ham and Wolves, uh, equal 18th and 19th on 32 points. Blackpool, 33 points. Birmingham, 35 points with a game in hand. Blackburn, 35 points. And Villa, 37 points. Stoke, 38 points. Sunderland, 38 points. Fulham, 38 points. Hmm. So that's probably where you'd say, I don't know, Bolton and Newcastle. Newcastle and West Brom, sorry, 39 points. You'd probably say that's the cut-off point. Um, Still only seven points between relegation and ninth. Yeah which is phenomenal with, with six games to go. It's still shaping up as a little bit of a scrap between Blackpool, West Ham, Wolves and Wigan, the bottom four, because I think they are the four poorest teams as the, as the table shows. Yeah, we talk a lot about momentum and a team that's got zero momentum at the moment and is in free fall and could very well get pulled into this is Sunderland. Yeah, classic they, yeah, they Sunderland. were sixth at Christmas, I think it was, yeah. and we're talking about challenging for Europe and... And it's interesting that you know, Villa have had this in the last few, and, and Sunderland, I don't, I don't think Villa have won a game in March for four years. Something like that. Yeah. Something stupid like that. And Sunderland seems to have done that. And I think it's, it might be that the, you know, that second and third tier of teams can challenge for so long, but then towards that three-quarter mark, their squad depth gets tested, players are injured yeah. or suspended, and they just can't compete. They just don't have the quality in the squad to bring in and, and play at that level. And I think, you know, Sunderland appears to have coincided with when they sold Darren Bent to Villa. Well, yeah. I mean, is it as simple as that, do we think? Or? Um, I think they've got too much of a track record of doing this to suggest that. But, I mean, Sunderland fans were saying they weren't bothered the fact that they were losing yeah, the exactly. top scorer. But I, I, I can't believe that. And not scoring true. goals doesn't mean all of a sudden you start shipping them at the other end. Yeah. You know, it's not too long ago they were going to Chelsea and out playing them away Hammered and winning three 0 Yeah, you know. but losing at home to West Brom. So you know they're 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 by no means safe yet. They're six points uh, away from relegation with with six games to go. So there's still eighteen points to play for. Hmm. Um, so Trev, I mean, from your perspective, yeah. you're still right in it. Well, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, we are. I mean, don't it, be too damn mate. You're about lot... to become a dad. <laughs> Maybe um, a lot depends on this weekend. You know, a lot to bear. You know, because we know we've got Chelsea and Man City coming up away for the next two games. Um, failure to win this weekend is is a hundred percent confirmation. I think that we're gone. All right. Well, let's. Uh... That's the Premier League. We'll preview this weekend's games uh, and the FA Cup semi-finals in a moment. Um, is the FA Cup semi-final weekend this week? I think it, I think it might be. Yeah. Um, La Liga table, Barcelona, uh, both Real Madrid and Barcelona won at the weekend. Uh, Real Madrid won 3-0 away at Athletic Bilbao. Kaká, two penalties. Good to see him back. And again, making a little cameo this morning. Yep. A um, couple of quality touches immediately. I would, must admit... Kaka was one of those players that I never really saw what all the fuss was about. I saw him play 
I remember the game he played against Man United when he was awesome. He yeah. scored two goals. But then watching him play at the World Cup live, you sort of see his movement and the effortless sort of way that he just instantly controls the ball and passes it. I was one over, even though he obviously wasn't 100% fit. Yeah, He is he's quality. And I think he's one of those players that I think you have to be there and watch him the whole time. Watch him for a period of play when probably the TV cameras aren't on him to see exactly what he does. So it's great to see him back. Messi, two goals for Barcelona. Um, their win against Almeria. Uh, which means that Barcelona are now eight points clear with the uh, Clasico coming up at the weekend, which you would say gives them the chance to pretty much win the title if they're not already nailed on anyway. But yeah. um, you'd say that... Uh, 11 points with six games to go would be insurmountable in that league because it, yeah. they just don't lose hardly unless it's to each other. They lost one all season and they've only picked up three draws, 27 wins. So, yeah, it's not going to be a problem, is it? Yeah. Uh, in Italy, uh, all a bit tighter there. Um, Milan uh, are still top by two points. Play 32, 68 points. Napoli... Um, are still in their fight, and many thought they would have um, they would have gone by now. They won away at Bologna two nil. Um, Milan also won away at Fiorentina. Um, Inter seem to be the ones that are falling away, um, and obviously going out of the Champions League this morning might help them refocus, but also might actually um, send them into a bit of a tailspin. But they're still in with a shout. They're on sixty three points. Then you'd probably say Lazio looking at a Champions League place at best. Um, 57 points but um, Napoli at the top brings back glory yeah. days of Maradona the old Mars shirt did you ever have that Trent? I used to have the old Mars shirt Maradona 10 on the back still gets talked about a lot doesn't it the, that Ma- Maradona period but I mean you know it's mad to think they're, they're not out of the title race at the bottom um, Cesena uh, Brescia and Bari uh, Bari look all but down only 21 <laughs> points 9 points uh, adrift at the very bottom Um you know, and some names there that could still get dragged in, Palmer. Um, so, yeah, so uh, still a lot to play for uh, in Serie A. It looks like it will probably go down to the wire. Um, so we'll follow that each week as the uh, as it hots up. That's all for part three. Uh, final part, part four, we'll be back soon just to preview this weekend's uh, Premier League clashes and FA Cup semi-finals. The new issue of 442 is on sale now, and it's an EPL Legends Special Edition. We speak to Bergkamp. Klinsman, Shearer and Giggs, plus a rare and fascinating interview with Aussie legend Mark Viduka. We count down the top 10 Aussies to have graced the EPL and hand out awards for the A-League season. 10 years on, relive Australia's world record 31-0 victory against American Samoa and look back at the stellar career of one of the game's greatest ever strikers, Ronaldo. In the iPad edition, there's 30 minutes of video plus additional photo galleries on Viduka, Klinsman, Shearer and Giggs. On sale now at all good news agents or on the iPad via the app store the latest on the world game this is 442 insider hello welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 insider podcast we are going to look to england now premier league first saturday massive games birmingham sunderland blackpool wigan everton blackburn west brom chelsea west ham villa are the saturday games Trevlar, yes. let's do it, West Ham Villa, <laughs> at Upton Park. First of all, will you be a dad by then? 
I would think so. I'll be pretty annoyed if I end up becoming a dad during Imagine that game. Imagine if it is during. Oh, no. don't even want to think about that. texting you. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to know. Yeah, look, it, it's huge. And, and like I say, because of who we've got coming up after, um, and we've got a few you know, easier games once we've got Chelsea and City out of the way. But, you know, if we're stuck on 32 going into like the last three games, you know, I don't think there's any, there's no chance there. So West Ham have to win it. Um, I've got a feeling there might be a draw. I think Villa might take the lead. Really? Yeah. Oh, almost certainly. <laughs> and then you'll probably yeah. get a 90th minute equaliser off someone's arse. Yeah. Um, Which won't be good enough I mean, for we, us. You know, there's a massive carrot here for Villa, you know, a win gets us to 40 points, which, you know, yeah. is, is that. And then that still leaves us another five games to pick up a couple of draws you here. You get a there. top 10 finish quite easily. You know, you? so like, there should be no shortage of motivation for them. Um, I just thought, you know, the one thing that was quite, you know, reassuring that the period of time that we, we finally saw Ashley Young back out on the wing um, and had Bonnehor and Bent through the middle, which, which, you know, seemed to be a bit more promising. I mean, Bonnehor's not had an awful lot of football this year. Um, but I just think Ashley Young playing in that hole behind Darren Bent hasn't really worked. Yeah. Um, so I just want to, yeah, we've looked so much more dangerous when he's on the wings putting the balls in. Yeah. What's your prediction then? Oh, well, I'm going to go 1 0. Villa 2 1. Yep. Um, I mean, the big one, you know, very interesting one there is Blackburn Sunderland that we just talked about Sunderland in free fall. It's probably the worst place they want to go. Yeah. You know, Birmingham pretty strong at home. And a win for Birmingham would sort of see them swap positions, really. Yeah. Um, you know, that would pull Sunderland right into the relegation battle. Well, if West Ham win and Sunderland lose, we're only three points off them. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Um, you know, and you just look at, I don't know, just look at Sunderland and, you know, you just, think, you just look around at the team and you look, are they really putting it in? Yeah. Um, mm. Blackpool Wigan. Uh, again, you'd probably say this is a must win for Wigan or... or They'll start to lose touch. God, what sort of game's that going to be? West Brom, Chelsea, unbeaten boy. Yeah. Can he keep that going on? I mean, look, yeah, let's talk about Hodgson. You know, West Brom, from relegation material to, you know, not far off safety. Yeah. Six, seven games unbeaten, 39 points. Yeah. I think Roy comes in and goes, right, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make us hard to beat. Yeah. I'm good. We're going to grind out draws. It's not going to be too pretty, but slowly, and because it wasn't, they didn't rock it away from the relegation zone, but slowly they started moving away from the relegation zone. I mean, look, they're up in 10th and they've got minus 13. I know. That's what stands out is that, you know, he's turned around since, since he got there. You know, they have turned things around in the last six games. And if he'd gone to West Ham, that's where West Ham would be. Yeah. I've got no doubt about that whatsoever. I mean, so, okay, his failure at Liverpool, mm. was this down to him as a coach or was this down to the response from the players? We've got a bit about that in the mag this month. I think that the, the situation when he got there in terms of the squad and the lack of strength in depth surprised him a little bit. And I, th- I think, you know, word from the club is that a lot of the players didn't buy into his system, didn't buy into his approach. There was turmoil at the club. You know, it affected everyone, the ownership problems, and it was, it was just a really, really bad time to take what is a great job. Yeah. So, you know, hope he does well at West. But I, I didn't think, you know, he was perhaps the right choice for Liverpool. But I think he's been treated a little bit harshly. Yeah, I just got the feeling that he was never given a chance by the players or the fans. I think, nah. you know, he was seen as the last act of Gillette and Hicks regime yeah. that everybody wanted to see the end of, and he was almost carried the can for their unpopularity. Yeah. Um, and you know him 
leaving and the Gillette and Hicks was so wrapped up in the same thing yeah. that he almost became the fall guy for that regime and the new broom. You know, had he been the, the appointment, let's say, the new appointment of John W. Henry, yeah. you know, maybe things would be different. But also, you know, a coach can only be good as his players allow him to be. If yeah. they're not going to listen to you and take on board your ideas. I don't then, think they bought in. Just... But, then he, but then would you not look back at that and say that was a fault of the interview process? Because surely you must not, you know, part of the, if you're bringing someone into a new company, part of the, your discussion or your decision making is, a, will they fit in with exactly, the team? Yeah. What, what, what are they fitting with the culture? You know, yeah. and so surely you've you got to point a finger at the people that recruited him. Yeah. Because if it was that much of a mismatch, surely they should have um, predicted that. And as he said, it you know, can't be easy with Dal Gleish sitting over your shoulder. Who wanted the job. <laughs> Yeah. They wanted it before Hodgson was appointed, yeah. So, I, you know, I, the thing that I do like about Hodgson, though, it, it, two things is I think he's behaved with enormous dignity in leaving. I think he could have said a lot more than he did. Yeah. Um, he could have probably named names of some of the players that were trying to undermine him, and he hasn't done that. Um, and he's not, you know, he, he's just got straight back into his stride again. Yeah. You know, with, with a club that it, it probably more suiting to him. So, good on him. Uh, Sunday. Oof. Big game, Arsenal, Liverpool. Um, Liverpool, you probably say they still haven't given out hope of uh, yet of maybe catching Spurs or Man City for that final, uh, well, that for their only Europa League spot. Um, but they're probably going to need to go to, Liverpool, uh, to Arsenal and win. Yeah, yeah, they've got to win all the way through, pretty Can much. Can they do that, Liverpool? Um, I think I know. I think Arsenal will win that. I always get more suspicious of what Arsenal are going to do when they go away. You know, away somewhere. Well, funny. let's let's rewind to when Andy Carroll was at Newcastle, and Newcastle went there and won one nil for an Andy Carroll goal. Yep. Well, so, yeah. Well, yeah, he's the sort of physical presence they're not looking to look forward to playing. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult to know. Sometimes Arsenal just look, you know, completely different how to how you've seen in the previous week. But I do fancy him to to edge past Liverpool there. Okay. Um, we're also taking place are uh, the uh, FA Cup semi-finals both at Wembley uh, Man United Man City um, is the first one I think. no um, Rooney or Tevez though no side, yeah, so. Rooney suspended for his uh, foul mouth tirade <laughs> um, and then Stoke played Bolton glamour tie for the second part mm. what's your predictions um, I think it'll be a, a Man United Bolton final um, I mean I know it was that against West Ham but Bolton looked you know pretty comfortable and pretty impressive um, against us so yeah it's, it's interesting that Evil Stoke or, or Bolton are going to make the final and I suppose I was kind of at first I thought oh you know you don't want to get Stoke or Bolton but how many years has it been since a team outside of the you know traditional top four has won it Portsmouth Portsmouth yeah and that's only a one off in the pre- yeah. you know, previous years to that it was one of the big four so yeah. you know I've got no problem with Bolton who are playing better football these days and also I like Bolton because they're not for this year for the FA Cup because they've got that sort of you know they played the first one didn't Nat they Nat Lofthouse yeah. you know died this year you know there's a bit of romance about Bolton's run you know and I yeah. think it would, it would be a very emotional day for for everyone connected with uh, with Bolton which I'd like to see um, and I like Owen Coyle I think he's one of the uh, the better young managers coming through the Premier League and it would be good to see him uh, Pit his wits against yeah. uh, either Fergie or Mancini on a on a very big stage. Um, I personally, Trey, I agree with you. I think I think I can't see Man United losing to Man City at the moment. No, they've hit a classic Man U Fergie good spell of form leading into Easter and through 
every, every single year. Yep. All right. Well, that's the tips. Uh, Man United, Bolton, double. Get on that. You'll probably get about $1.50. Yeah. Um, and it won't happen. <laughs> a couple of other games before we'll be back with you. Uh, Newcastle, Man United on Tuesday. So games thick and fast for Man U. Uh, and then on a Wednesday, Chelsea play Birmingham and Spurs host Arsenal. Ooh. Monster game yeah. for both. Yeah, that's going to be a, a cracker. So, so that's a Thursday morning for us then. Yeah, so yeah, so we'll, we'll be back with uh, hot off the press with that one. Bit of El Clasico, just a mention to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, what's interesting about you know the Clasico, I, I believe it's four meetings in the space of 17 days. Yeah, they've got the Copa del Rey, Copa then del Rey. the two-legged uh, semi-final. Yeah, so... Um, Champions League. That's kind of... You almost feel like not one team's going to win all of those. You know, like... Perhaps Madrid will win the cup and, you know, the league and the Champions League will go through to Barcelona. I don't know. But Your Mourinho. <laughs> yeah. Which ones you want to win? Which one? Oh, Champions League. Yeah. I yeah. Think so. Yeah. I think He's not going to win the league. The league's gone this already, week, isn't it? This weekend, he might as well send out the reserves. Yeah. And Copa del Rey. I don't Copa del they're Rey. not bothered about in Spain, are they? Not really. It's not, it's not, like, it's not held in as much esteem as the FA Cup. Nah. So I think, you know, I think Mourinho's priority will be winning the Champions League. Yep, definitely. All right, that's it for that's this it. week. Uh, don't forget the magazines on sale. EPL Legends issue, rare interview with Mark Viduka. Um On the iPad, 30 minutes of video of us being put through our paces yep. uh, in the new kit. So uh, plenty of ideas there for your coach or a player to, uh, to sharpen your skills. So that's all on the iPad at the App Store. Um, that's all from us hopefully by this time next week Trev will be a dad must be we could have just grabbed that from any of the last three podcasts so uh, (laughs) enjoy your football this weekend Uh, get on the website interact with everyone else tell us what you think about this podcast or anything jump on the forums and we'll see you next week thanks for joining us 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services